This is Christina Masny from Cinematic Arts and Production Club at UC Berkeley, and this is episode one of our podcast, The Real, featuring Amber Sherman. Hi guys, I'm Christina. We are so, so lucky to have Amber Sherman with us here today. She grew up in New York, attended the State University of New York at Buffalo College, majoring in communications and media production, I believe. She's experienced in assisting directing, co-producing, assistant camera work, and so many other things. She's the founder of Beyond Film School and broke into the film industry without having contacts. So without further ado, let's welcome Amber Sherman. And if there is anything that I did not get to, I'd love for you to do a quick introduction about yourself. Yeah. uh, So thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am glad to have the platform to talk to more aspiring filmmakers and people who want to break into film. Um, This is why I started Beyond Film School to try and get it all like give people the confidence that you can you don't have to have like a rich uncle or, uh, you know, a, a producer aunt or something like that to actually have a career in film and I also am spreading the message of (laughs) not everyone wants to be a director or DP so I feel like there's so much more and so much out there as far as what is offered in filmmaking and offered to people and all different types of backgrounds and walks of life um so yeah but I did not grow up in New York I live outside of New York right now Uh, my career is in New York but I grew up in Buffalo which is the second biggest city in New York I don't know if anyone's familiar with New York but um, I'm from Buffalo uh, and New York's pretty pretty big (laughs) so um, yeah second biggest city in New York not New York City I actually did not even want to live in New York City so but we can get to that later though (laughs) that is definitely um, a question that I wanted to bring up today Um, but let's start out a little simpler and um, in some of your YouTube videos, you talk a little bit about your background and growing up outside of the city. Um, so I just wanted to ask, how did your background play a role um, in your dreams of working in film? Did it in any way shape that or did it drive your passion for it? So here's the thing when people ask people who work in the industry now, uh, you know, you know, did you always want to be a filmmaker? Or what What did you want to do when you were eight years old? Like, I legitimately did not know that working in movies, working in film was actually a feasible, possible thing that was real when I was a child. Like growing up in Buffalo, I grew up very, very poor. Um, My family, it was like, you know, check the paycheck every week, uh, barely getting by me, my sister, my mom and dad. Uh, And like to say that college was a pipe dream is like even kind of exaggerating a little bit because it wasn't even in like the realm of possibility for people like me and where I was from. Um, I did not grow up in a suburb of Buffalo. I'm from the inner city of Buffalo. And, you know, people who I grew up with in my neighborhood, they didn't go to college. They didn't really make anything of themselves. And I, I mean, I still am in contact with people from my neighborhood when I was very, very small and not much is going on. And I am the most successful person that they know. And in, in the neighborhood that I came from. So it's kind of weird for me to even at, answer that question and be like, oh yeah, I always wanted to be a filmmaker. Well, it, for me, it wasn't really a possibility. Um, I mean, m- the goal that my parents had for me 
and and this is being completely real and I have no idea if anyone could even relate to this but my mom and dad did not graduate high school so me and my sister the goal for us was to at least just graduate high school and then from there do whatever you want with your life was basically what we were told just graduate high school and that was it so the fact that I even went to college was like it just monumentous. Like it was just like that was a very, very huge deal. The fact that I went to college and was a, a first generation college student. So the the fact that I kind of fell into film is purely based on the fact that I was creative and my mom encouraged me, you know, to be creative in art and painting and drawing. And I went to high school for, you know, photography and um, it was a vocational high school. So like they had an art program and, you know, I had a little drawing test to get in and and all this stuff. So like the fact that once I got to college and I tried to really uh, like get into political science, which is very, very weird in the first place. (laughs) I'm an art, I'm I'm a creative artist. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for poli sci because I really loved history. And I still love history now. That's probably why I love documentary so much. But I I could not stay (laughs) awake in my poli sci classes. (laughs) And the fact that I couldn't really get into like the foundation of political science, I was like, this is just not for me. And then I just went right back into like my natural like habitat of, you know, pursuing the arts. And then I really, really got introduced into video my senior year of high school because of my history teacher. We used to make music videos and like mini documentaries and stuff like that. So that kind of was my first introduction to filmmaking and like doing stuff with video. Um, And because I was into photography, I thought I was going to do, I was going to do the DP track and then uh, I got it on my first feature film and was like, no, not really for me. And I saw a real first AD in action. And that's kind of like what I went with. But the, my background, I think, is the most awkward thing when it comes to like someone working in film. I mean, that's awesome that you made a, you made something for yourself. <laughs> that's so incredible. Um, what was right. the moment that you kind of realized that film was what you wanted to do and not just something that maybe you enjoyed? Um, when I went when I was in my, I went to UB, uh, University of Buffalo for the first two years and I hated it. Uh, it was like this kind of like the media studies programs was like more expose and film theory and film history. And I'm like, I want to go in and make some stuff. I want to touch cameras. I want to do some editing. I want to like actually cut things together. I want to get out there and shoot something. And I left UB, went to Buffalo State and they had a very hands-on program production media production and I got to use cameras I got to figure out lighting do live music videos and work with real clients in the community and kind of that like working with people real people my junior year of college and I was like wow I can actually make a living editing and you know making commercials or making you know just these small documentaries for people who just want them for promos and and then Like, I guess as I kept reaching each bar, I was like, you know, I kind of really would love to do like narrative stuff. So then I started to do it like I did my own little short film in in, um, college and then I did the 48 hour film project and I kind of get sucked into the world of narrative. And I was like, I really love working on narrative film sets. And that's kind of just my junior year of college pretty much, I think, was the the year that kind of switched things over. And I was like, yes, I want to be working on film sets. This is what I want to do. And then. My senior year, when I finally got on a a um, kind of like a bigger set, because like you know you have smaller sets where like things are like oh your friends or like you may have like a you know your 
aunt might be making like a something, like a two-day short film or something, or your cousin's going to do something. But this was like, I applied for the job to be an assistant camera, uh, second AC. And, you know, that's pretty much what the person who's going to do the slate or, or, or like loading and reloading the camera and stuff. And I was going to get paid $50 a day for this feature film. And then I was like, yeah, camera. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be. And I didn't even know what a first assistant director was. But there was this guy on set and he kept like like telling everyone what to do and like what was going on. And I was like, hey, if I needed to know something, that is the person I'm going to go to. And then like I kept seeing him in action and I was like, yes, that was what I wanted to do. I was like, because like I am very big in leadership because in high school I was a part of ROTC. I've always been like captain of like some team that I was on. Like I ran cross country and track and like I swam. So I was always like a leader so I was like, well, that spoke, really, really spoke to me. So that was like the position in the moment where I was like, yes, this is the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to get into DGA. I'm going to be a first AD. Um, so yeah, that one little indie project that was like three weeks long in the summer of my like senior year of college was what really turned it for me. I honestly can relate to that. I feel like um, I'm oddly enough a political economy major myself. Um, And then I came in a cap club and it's very uh, production based. So a lot of I feel like the people in this club kind of get that experience of being able to work with things and not just, you know, learning about film, but not actually jumping into that film experience because it is very different. Um, kind of going along with the college aspect of that, are there any like resources or things that you think students in college should take advantage of when it comes to trying to enter the film industry? Um, take advantage of the fact that you don't have real bills. Take advantage of the fact that you're not paying rent. Like you could be paying like student loans or something like that. But if you are in a situation where you're you know, your payments, monthly payments are not as large as it would be if you're like living on your own, having your own apartment, your own car and your own like mortgage or something. Take advantage of the fact that you could work on something for free. You can take a weekend and spend those couple of days on set getting that experience and not having to worry about paying your rent or paying your bills or your car insurance or whatever it is. And I feel like that is the most important thing because if you can outside of the student projects like outside of that if you can get on a local commercial or like maybe a local band is shooting a music video or something that is outside of the your campus and you get on set that can be added to your resume and that's gonna help you so much more when you actually are done graduating because a lot of the times you a lot of student and I get all kinds of students contacting me and saying, what do I do next? I just graduated from Columbia, Amber. I just graduated from NYU Tisch program. I'm like, first of all, I'm very confused on why graduates from those types of schools are contacting me and saying, what do I do next to get into film where I feel like those schools should be setting you up for success and they're not. So, and they're not taking advantage of like certain opportunities that they might have, or maybe they just don't know what opportunities they have. So I would say get on anything get on anything just to experience what set life is like. Even if you're like, oh, well, it's just like some stupid thing. Well, it's like that stupid thing could lead you to a lot of different places, a lot of different people, a lot of different opportunities that you just have no idea what's going to like help you along the way and get the ball rolling. You have no idea. So I would say get on as many things as you can. Um, do not underestimate internships. Internships, like if you can do three or four internships out of 
all your college years, do it. Um, take a summer, work for DreamWorks. Take a summer and like try to apply for you know certain things in different cities. Like this, I have lots of really great programs for college students. So it's just like take advantage of all the opportunities. Are like do your research. Like don't be afraid to be like, hey, film programs near me. Like it could be just as simple as that. Because some people are like just afraid. Like I have no idea where to start. Well, film production programs. <laughs> Literally, like Google is your friend, and people just I feel like they just don't know where to start so they have this anxiety of like oh well I just feel so overwhelmed so so all you have to do film internships and a bunch is gonna come up so internships and getting on any small projects that you can that's awesome once you got onto like for instance in your case your first or second projects what kind of struggles did you encounter as you kind of like came into the industry and how did you push through those well, I mean, being a female is one, but I really hate to be like, oh, that, you know, it's really hard being a female in the film industry because I have a very, very strong personality. And I have encountered some people who are like, oh, but you're a female. Maybe you can't carry that 70-pound um, tripod, which I was a first AC on a, on a feature film, and I literally was the only woman crew member. So that is a factor when people look at you a little bit different and like, oh, but we got to help her because she's the only female crew member. Help her carry that oh, she needs help with this. It's like that is the most annoying thing that I encounter where people are like, oh, let me get, let me get this for you because you're a female. If I were a male camera loader, or if I were a male second or first AC, no one would be doing it. No one would be offering that help. So I would be like, get away from me. Let me do my job and just get out of the doorway, please, so I can put this thing down. So I think being a female is one thing. But then for me personally, it was my attitude. It was like, I really was like, oh, I'm just, you know, why do I have to do things this way? Why do I, I fairly was, I was really, really stubborn. So it took me a while to kind of bend to the will of how it really works in film and, and not really sacrificing who I really am. I had to find the balance of like, this is how you act on set. This is how you're going to get the most out of everybody, but also you're going to stay true to yourself. And then after I conquered that, after that, it's like, well, how do I make sure I, I, I appreciate what I'm working on and I am putting so many hours in, like working 16, 17, 18 hour days, but then I'm like, like knocked out when I get home and I'm so tired, but like, I want to have a personal life. So those are certain things along the way that you're going to encounter in your career where it's like, you know, do I have a life? <laughs> because you're always on, on set, but it's like, if you don't love it and you don't find you know, joy in those really, really tough days. It really gets hard for some people, and that's why they leave the industry. So uh, I think as you go through your career, I, I, and as I've went through mine, I feel like I've hit a lot of different stages of challenges. That's that's so true. Do you have any advice for, like, women who want to get into film, um, just as your experience going through that? I feel like it's for smaller women who are like petite and they have like a smaller persona and they're like a little bit more quiet. I think making sure that you show your personality and you show that you can command a room and you show that you have that certain authority or that expert, uh, you know, vibe about you. And, and I remember in my past class I just had on Valentine's day, I had a set PA class and I talked about this, how, you know, certain pedestrian lockups, like when you're, you know, making sure that nothing gets into the frame and you're making sure that, you know, people don't ruin the shot. Like sometimes when you're a five foot little petite woman, 
people are not going to stop for you because you're just not big enough, right? So, and I told them, I was like, you have to overcompensate for that. You have to make yourself bigger somehow. And that could be in your volume and your voice and your, in how you hold yourself. So I think that's for me, like for women, it's just like, don't be afraid to command a room based on like, you know, you are allowed to be in that room. You are there for a reason and just remember that like you got hired for a reason and I really don't want to hear like oh well I was hired to meet the quota because some people like to say that and I was like no 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 like remember you're here because someone wanted you here and and just make sure you show that and I think that your attitude is it just goes a real long way for a lot of people and I and I I'm really not into the whole like oh but you know someone make themselves victims and all that stuff. No, because, like, people, women who work on in film are badass. Like, you don't want to mess with women who work in film because, I mean, they've been through the ringer and they've got a tough skin and they're going to, like... I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that. Like, <laughs> most of the women that I know on set are just not women you want to mess with. Yeah. And, and I, I, don't, I would hate to say that it's because they were brought up in film, but I think film does make you tough because you have to be a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Kind of diving into earlier, you mentioned living in New York. Um, and since we kind of were talking about personalities and different types of things, um, I know you also lived in L.A. So what was it like having the differences between the two cities? And do you prefer one? I, well, I'm putting my book in, <laughs> uh, my DGA book in New York because I would love to stay and work in New York because I like New York. I feel, okay. and it's funny because, okay, me being from Buffalo, everyone in Buffalo is like, oh, I want to go to New York City. I want to go on vacation. I never, in my 20 years of living in Buffalo, from like, from being a baby, from graduating like college, never wanted to go to New York City. Didn't want to go anywhere. Was not interested. I was like all about, I want to go to California. I want to go to Los Angeles. That's where I need to be. That's where I want to be. And then I ended up working on a cruise ship. I'm skipping over LA for a quick minute, but I ended up working on a cruise ship for like two years. And the cruise ship just happened to stop in Manhattan on one of the contracts that I had. It was like a, a fluke. We had to stop there for um, like an emergency stop. And then we stay there overnight. And I was like, oh my God, I really love New York. Oh man. <laughs> like I ended up really loving New York. And it's just like the vibe is completely different than L.A. From what I found in L.A., I feel like I just did not fit in as far as, like, I'm way more abrasive. I'm very outspoken. I'm very honest. If me and you were to meet in person and uh, how I feel about your first impression, you're going to see it on my face. I can't hide it. I don't I don't I can't fake it. You'll, you're I'm just an open book. Like you're going to know right away if I like you or not. And it's like that's a New York thing. <laughs> LA folks have a really good way of hiding it and it's just like I just can't fake it really well. But that's what I found was like in LA everyone was an actor, everyone was a writer, everyone was a director, everyone was someone I knew that was trying to get into film and I was like, are we really friends or are we like like, you're just trying to get on set because, like, you know that I work. You know, it was kind of like that. But in New York, if, like, I know when people don't like me. I know that if, I know when we're being civil and I know when we're being friends. And I feel like I'm just comfortable with, like, knowing when someone doesn't like me rather than someone, like, faking it and just being like, <laughs> you know. So I, I'm just way more New York. And I think that this, the way that um, working in New York is is a lot tougher in as far as filmmaking, like, we snow, rain, it's like, 
freezing outside. I feel like there's just so many more things we have to battle, and I kind of kind of love the challenge of that in a weird, I guess that's like a little masochistic, where it's like, <laughs> it's very challenging for to shoot some things, especially when you're outside in like the summertime, and it's like, you know, it's, I feel like it's a little bit easier in LA, but like you guys are dealing with heat, so it's a, a, a way different thing, but I've just, I kind of love the tougher, tough, like really, really toughness of New York. Yeah. So jumping away a little bit from these types of questions, I want to dive into beyond film school a little bit. So out of your years in the industry, when did, what sparked that idea and kind of what drove you into wanting to do that? Well, the the YouTube channel that I have, when I started doing the videos, um, that started like this, when I started doing the YouTube videos, that was way before beyond film school where like that really developed into like a program. When I started doing the videos, it was more about like, wow, I am just learning this, having zero contacts about, you know, what this means, what this film term means, or how do I, what are some tips? How do I survive? What what are the things I need on set as a set PA? And as I learned those things, I was like, I know there's other people who want to learn those things because I know there's other people like me who have no way into the industry and they are going to want to learn just how I want to, because there was no one telling me what to do, what to look for, like why I wasn't getting hired. And it took me like a real long time to figure out like what is it that I'm doing that is making me not hireable like that sort Mm -hmm. of thing and once I was able to dissect those things I'm like ah okay I've 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 gotten this down I've gotten this and I started like making more and more videos about like hey don't do this because I did this and you don't want that (laughs) so the videos start from there and then when I started to get on indie film sets as a first AD doing feature films, I found that it was very, very hard to staff my shows with set PAs. And this, in the set PA program, it's like twofold. It's, uh, there's a selfish reason. And there's like, you know, the, the like noble reason of like wanting to give people a chance who just don't have any other contacts. Like they, this like, they have no other way in. And it's like, I want to give them a chance because I might see something in that person in my class. I'm like, that person's going to be great on set. I want them on my set. So I'm giving them the chance. They're proving themselves to me, uh, you know. But then the other reason is that, like, I couldn't find really good PAs. <laughs> so I was like, why don't I just train them myself and then give them a job and production can pay them and they can work right under me. So where it's like I train them and then they're if I'm their instructor and I'm also their first AD, they know what to expect. And it's like, I can still kind of train them. So when they get off my set, they can go to another set and just feel a little bit more comfortable. So it's kind of like a twofold thing where I was like, I just need PAs on my show. (laughs) (laughs) And I got tired of like going through recommendations of people who I knew because like, Mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. You have to like text all your friends like, Hey, do you have any PAs are available for this show in like New Jersey or this show in Rochester? Like, oh, no, I don't know anybody. And then I have to go on Facebook. I have to post ads. It's like, that is really annoying. So now I have created my own network of PAs. So it's like, I can go to them directly and be like, hey, I have this thing happening in, in Syracuse. Do you know anyone? Or can you work on that show? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Is there anything, like, in particular that makes a student stand out once they're kind of, like, doing courses? Yeah. So in my class, I feel like if you are not... Like, there are some, here's the thing, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't want to say, like, if there's more outspoken PAs or there's not, if you're, like, quiet or whatever, because I can tell when someone's paying attention. 
Um, and that, that's like the number one thing for me. If I notice that you're paying attention to what I'm saying, you're asking questions, you're like intrigued at what I'm saying, that means, first of all, you like film. Second of all, you are invested in, in getting into film and doing the work. So, and then the, the other thing I think is just being like a person that is just going to be down. You're just, you're going to do the thing you have to do. You're going to work hard. You know, so when I tell you all the bad things and you're like, yes, let's still, I, I still want to go on set. I still want to live this life. You're not jaded yet. And I know you're going to get jaded, <laughs> but you have a really good attitude. You have really good energy. So, I mean, there's, I think only a couple of people who I haven't recommended who've taken my course. Um, but then they still have gone on, taken the tools that I've given them and ended up being like key second ADs. And, and they're like, oh, hey, Amber, I'm doing this now. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's amazing because <laughs> I didn't see that in them, but someone else did. Yeah. So it, like, even if I may not mesh with someone or I may not see that thing, they can go somewhere else, use what I gave them. And then they can go and like prove to someone else that gives them a job. So it's like, I'm not always going to mesh with everybody. I'm a really... I have a really strong personality. So like, I know that like, there are some people who I, I would know I would work with very well. And some people I'm just like, not feeling it. Like night and day are like my, my last class in the summer, not this most recent one, but I had to um, take a smaller class because of the pandemic. We did it outside. We split it into two sessions. It was like three hours, about four hours each session. And they were all very, very great. They all tried very hard and one is just a little bit more emotional. He's, you know, he has a harder time on set battling his ego. And like the other one, Michelle, she's now, they're both staff PAs, by the way, on the show I'm working on. Thankfully, I just recommended them and they got hired, which is great. They just worked their way up, which is amazing. And the other one, Michelle, she's very quiet, but she is, her work ethic just shows. She doesn't have to be outspoken. She doesn't have to be like this loud, obnoxious person that you think maybe a PA might have to be because like you have to, you know, yell rolls and cuts and stuff like that. So like, you know, people are different types of people, but they're still like, you know, I just, they're night and day, but they still do well on set. Yeah. Do you think rejection plays a role in growing people oh and helping the yes. industry? Could you speak a little <laughs> bit on that? Rejection is like your best friend. <laughs> If you are not comfortable with rejection, it's like, I mean, everyone's first rejection is really, really hard and it hurts you because it's like rejection just sucks, right? But like, you're not going to get every job. You're not going to get the, you know, you're not going to get bumped up. You're not going to, um, you some things are just not always going to work out, but you have to just make the best of your situation. Uh, and that's why I really, really preach the good attitude thing, um, because you could be rejected from, you know, college program. Maybe you didn't get into NYU. Like, I think NYU is a waste of time, but don't tell me, don't tell me when I said that. <laughs> it's too much money as well. <laughs> but like, maybe you got rejected from the film program that you really wanted to get into. Um, and some people have, some great successful directors have, you know, they didn't make it, but they still have film careers you know, and they still found a way to make their dream work. And I think that their attitude plays a huge part in that. I mean, if you have a bad attitude and you're just going to give up after your first rejection, then it's like you've, then you, what are you going to do? Move on to a different dream? You All of a sudden you have a different passion in your life? Like, yes, you can have multiple passions, but like, I think that just ignoring it because you didn't get into that one thing, or maybe you just didn't get that first job or something. It's just, 
you have to really adapt to those feelings of like, okay, I didn't get the thing, but you know what? I'm still going to try for this other thing. I'm still going to go ahead and do X, Y, Z. Um, perseverance, persistence. It's like, that's like half the battle when it comes to film. Absolutely. That's like a really good point to make. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we kind of start bringing this to a close and getting ready for questions, just, um, I'm going to rapid fire like two different questions and you can run with it. Oh God. Okay. Go wherever you would (laughs) like. Um, so one best project you've ever worked on Two, any funny stories or something that has like gone wrong on set. And oh God, gone wrong. (laughs) You can start there and then I can ask the final question in a little bit. Oh my goodness. I think, I mean, my, my worst day ever. Oh no! <laughs> Stay ever, and I was a very young first AD. It was like I've done a, a few, like uh, I've done a, a number of like one or two day short films, and then I got picked up for this six day short film, and it was like half an hour. I was like, oh my god, I'm really making it! Like I'm moving up. It was like amazing, and I was so happy to do this thing. It was like women director, women producers. I was very very happy. And then first two days, we were on the stage, so it was very smooth. Everything was really, everyone was like, yeah, Amber, you make your days. It's great. And I was like, hell yeah. And then the third day, um, on Monday, we had a lot of pages to do. And we were in one location, and we were in a diner. And it was like 10 pages or something crazy like that. We also had the full cast, and that was like about eight actors, eight actors, and this is a, a, a pretty big thing for, like, short films. And, like, that's a lot. When you're dealing with, like, little indie stuff, you're like, oh, one or two actors, that's fine. But when you have, like, a full cast, you're like, okay, no, oh, this yeah. is, like, now you really got to organize hair and makeup. You have to organize where they're going to stay. It's like, you know, the more cast, the more complicated it gets. So that Monday, we were supposed to shoot in a diner, and we get on location, and they're like, Amber, they're not letting us in. And I'm like what are you talking about? We have the contract, right? Like what's going on? And they're like, Oh, the owner is saying that we only have the diner from this hour to this hour. Then we have to get out and we have to come back in from this hour to this hour. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. We're not going to make our day. And then somehow the producer did not draw up a contract with the owner. So like the hours were not laid out. So therefore he was like just changing his mind on a whim every like hour. So then, like, the crew is like, Amber, what the hell is going on? And I was like, let me find out. I have to figure out. I have to talk to the producers. You know, like, we got to figure this out. Because it's a producer's job to talk to the locations people or the locations manager when you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if it is a huge problem, then producers have to step in and be like, yo, you know, this is what has to happen. But on indie films, it's mostly going to be the producers that are going to be talking to locations, um, the people who own the place that you're going to be shooting in. So then, you know... (laughs) They kept kicking us out. They were like, you have to, you know, you have to wait. You have to wait a couple hours. And it was like ending up to be a nightmare of a shoot because everything that I had where it was like, okay, the first couple of scenes is like less actors and then you you build. So you start with like one or two actors and then maybe midday you have all seven and then you kind of like go back and like whoever has the most scenes going to be there the long, going to have the longest day. So it didn't just work out that way. So now all my actors are here. They're ready. They're waiting. And then one of the actors, middle of the diner, came straight to me and started screaming in my face in front of all the cast and crew. was like, Amber, what is going on? I don't know what's going on. No one's telling me anything. You, and like, and it, it was, now he, like, at the time, he was, like, twice my age, 
twice my height. I'm like, I'm five, four. And I'm like, looking at this guy, like, what are you? And he was just yelling at me, screaming at me, demanding all these answers. So I was like, okay, I'm very sorry. You're right. There's a lot of things going on. I have not communicated to the cast enough. I haven't, you know, given you the word play by play, whatever. I'm sorry. A lot of things are up in the air right now. You know, tried to calm him down. And, you know, he walked away. He was like, yeah, just let me know when I'm needed. Because his scene was supposed to be earlier in the day. And it was now past lunch and we hadn't used him yet. So he was like, what the hell is going on, basically. So after that, after him screaming my face, me calming him down, being this strong first AD person, like making sure like everything's cool. Like at lunch, like I think after that, we took a break because he kicked us out again. The owner kicked us out again. And I was like on the phone with my my husband, <laughs> my fiance at the time for like 45 minutes, like crying. I'm like, this is the worst day ever. I'm a failure. This... And there was like nothing I could do because I feel like the producers set me up for this huge failure because they didn't lock down this location. And that was the nightmare. And now I'm like, every time I have to shoot in a diner, I'm like, <laughs> I just get like a little PTSD. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've done I, locations and at, like a, an actor throwing a tantrum is some of the things that you definitely will encounter on set. And that's like the worst day ever. But since then I've done so many, so much more things where I'm like, oh, this is a cakewalk. <laughs> It kind of brings up the the failure doing success things. I honestly feel like I got stressed out from that story for you. So <laughs> good sorry. job for making it through that. Um, last question before we take questions from other people is, mm-hmm. um, where do you see yourself going in the future of film? What is your trajectory? And what advice do you have for other people who may want to follow your path? Oh, gosh. Don't follow my path. Follow your own path, first of all. Um, but <laughs> yeah. my path, I f- I'm just about to put my book into the DGA um, to be uh, unionized, first AD. Um, but I start, I'm going to start as a second second. I'm going to make my way up to second, sec- key second. And then, I mean, my ultimate goal is to kind of, you know, do a blockbuster movie, a big, crazy million-dollar movie, and be the first AD. Like, not Marvel, but, like, Marvel status, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't necessarily want to work on Marvel, but, like, I want to work on a really big, you know, really big movie as a first AD in the union. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much yeah. for fielding my questions. Um, I was a little mm-hmm. scared, so let's get the nervousness out of there. Um, now that everything's all nice and warmed up, though, if you guys have questions, please go ahead and send them in the chat, and then Alan is going to go ahead and pick some and ask Amber. So if you have any questions, feel free to submit. So the first question is, what has been the best memory so far in your career? Oh my, oh my God, the best memory. Um, you know what? There's, this is probably the most recent one. Um, I have started like in the, in the past year, year and a half, I've started like a compliment list because every now and then you got to like make sure you can just go back to those when you're having rough days, you go back and you're like, yes, this person said this to me. (laughs) Um, I think one of the most recent best memories is, you know, I work on the equalizer right now and it's a very, very tough show. And I work, I'm a first team PA. So like I'm first team, I work with the actors and just out of nowhere, because I'm working with Queen Latifah, if anyone doesn't know, you know, Queen Latifah is a star of the Equalizer, and I work with her every day. She's mad cool, and then out of nowhere, she's like, you're really great at what you do. Like, just, I, I was just like, it was completely shocking, and I, I I think I won't ever forget that, because she's been around the block. 
Like, she's been on many sets. She's worked on many things. For her to say that I'm, like, great at what I do and I'm going to be a great at AD one day is just, like, holy crap. Like, that's that, for me, is amazing when people see the potential of being, like, yes, I know you can run a smooth set. I know that you are going to run a great set. So, I mean, that, I think, is probably the best one so far. Like, yeah. Queen Latifah, come on. <laughs> the next question is from Harrison. Do you have any advice for finding jobs on film sets during the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, well, I will say that right now, oh, thanks for your question, Harrison. Uh, because it's COVID, there are so many protocols that are in place that it's not slowing down filming. Like it slowed it down for like the first seven months while we were trying to figure out how to navigate COVID and set protocols. And like when you think about it, like, how the hell are we going to make a movie, a TV show, a web series, or whatever, when we have to be six feet apart, we have to do this. So there was a lot of time that was spent trying to figure out how we can do it without infecting each other if one person were infected, right? So right now, New York has so many shows. Um, I know LA, you guys are, I think, dealing with it a little bit harsher. Like you have a little bit more... Um, COVID cases, I think, than in Manhattan, as far as I know, but you guys are, have been hit harder. Um, but in New York, it's just like, there's so many projects that it's hard to fill the set PA positions. It's like, there's just so many jobs out there where it's like, everyone I know is staffed. All my friends are like, I'm like, when we need additional PAs, like new PAs to just, you know, step on set to just help up with lockups and all the extra stuff that comes with filmmaking, like, Everyone I know is like has a job. I'm like, damn it, I need like more <laughs> I need more people to fill those roles. So I feel like there's there's so much work out there. Um I mean, a lot of people um have like gotten their COVID compliance certification, which is fine. And I've seen a number of people on my set go from a COVID PA or a COVID coordinator or a COVID um, you know, they're do checking people in, they're testing people, they're making sure that everyone gets tested, they're organizing all these things, that they've jumped from the COVID department to construction. They've got jumped from the COVID department to gripping. So they're using that as a platform to get on set, get to know people, and get into the position they really, really want. And that's exactly what they should be doing. So I hope that answers the question. The next question is from Hope. Was there a moment or a turning point in your career when you felt like you had made it? When you finally felt like a successful filmmaker? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think, I think because every time I do something and I achieve the level, like when I got my first feature film, I was like, yes, I did it. But then when you do the feature film, you're like, wait, I got to book another feature film and I got to book another project and another thing and a, and a bigger budget, more actors. So it's like, I, I feel like I'm always that person who is like, and now I have to go for this and now I have to go for this. Um, I feel like I, okay, I mean, when I put it in perspective, I have a job during a pandemic, first of all, which is like crazy to even think about, that I work in film while there's a pandemic going on, I get tested every day, I'm safe, like I'm safer on set than I am at like the grocery store, like let's be honest, like the, the, the things that are in place are amazing. So the fact that I have a job right now is amazing. I can pay my bills. I can, I have, you know, the weekends. I have a husband. I have dogs. Like, I have a life that I am very happy with. And I feel like that, for me, is, 
like success because I'm getting to do what I really like to do. I'm getting to do beyond film school on my off time and I'm getting to work on set while also have a life. And I feel like that is for me ultimate success because I can do, you know, I can live my life the way I want and I'm not trapped in any way where I feel like some people get into the rotation of job after job after job and they're not taking care of themselves and then they become very, very unhappy you know, because they're not sleeping, they're not taking care of themselves, they, you know, they're, like, they're just burning out very, very quickly, because they're afraid of getting that, you know, where's my next job coming from, so they take everything they get, you know, so I feel like I found the balance, and I feel like I'm very comfortable, and I like that. The next question is from Christian. What are some of the undesirable traits of a PA that will make you not get asked back? Oh, this is such a great question. This is great because I have all the answers for this. If you have a bad attitude, I don't want to work with you on set. If I tell you to do something and you backtalk me, (laughs) that's the number one way I will never work with you again. If you are hired and you're booked on a show and you use the excuse last minute, last minute, and you go, oh my God, I have a family emergency. That is the number one way you will not be asked back to set. You will you will be blacklisted. Like, not even kidding, the word will get around that you are a flake, and that's it. Like, if you are, like, if it's your first day, and I this has happened so many times, where PAs, their first day ever on set, they all of a sudden have some drama happening in their lives. I'm like, listen, if this is your career, you will make it to that set. You will make sure to get there no matter what. I don't care what, I mean, be 15 minutes late if you need to be. But just to just not show up or say the family emergency thing, like, that is, like, ah, that's a really – a lot of people hate that. A lot of people hate that. Um, I think that uh, another undesirable trait is being too talkative, where, like, your social hour is taking precedence over the fact that, you know, you're doing your job, where I've seen PAs think that it's, like, like – you know, this is like coffee chat time. Like, no, no, no. You're here to lock it up, not to chat with the crew member. Your job comes first. Like, listen, I love talking to crew members. I love socializing. I love my friends on set. But, like, if we're rolling, like, shut the F up. <laughs> like, honestly, like, we have a job to do. I want to get out of here. We want to wrap, right? Like, those are the types of things. Like, being too talkative. Bad attitude is the number one thing. Calling out on your first day or calling out sick last minute, not finding a replacement is the second thing, I feel like. And then being too social is another one. Those are the top three things that just come to my mind automatically. The next question is from Katrina. In the film industry, are people receptive to the idea of networking to get a push in certain opportunities? What would be your advice on approaching professionals to effectively network? Okay, so networking, I hate the word. If you guys know me or my channel... I hate the word networking because it's a very shallow way of saying, hey, you're my friend, which you're not really friends. You're using me as a means to an end. Now, I preach to everyone that watches my channel, to everyone that I train, you need to make sure that you're making sincere connections with people. Find the people that you mesh with the best. Don't worry about making friends with everybody. Because here's the thing, is I remember me when I first started as an additional PA and someone gave me a chance to get on that set, I made one friend. I made one true, honest connection. I didn't really like anybody else. Me and him talked. His name was Alex Conway. He's a, he's a in DJ now. He's a second a key second AD right now. And me and him got on. Like, he was the only one that I felt that I could really talk to or really connect with. And 
because of him, he got me on other shows because he believed in me. So he got me on other shows. But it's because I was invested in our relationship. It wasn't like, and it wasn't like, oh, we were dating or anything like that. It was like, no, we got along on set and I did my job, you know? So, and he saw that I worked hard and I, I didn't really, I wasn't very open and bubbly and, and just like myself exactly. So it was like, focus on making sincere relationships and sincere connections. Because here's the thing. If you're going to try and be a writer and you're like, yeah, but I have to talk to the writer because I want to pick their brain, da, 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 da. like I have to get to know this person. Here's the thing is that if you go into a conversation like that saying like, hey, I want you to advance my career, no one's going to want to talk to you. But if you go into it saying like, I want to learn from you because I want to be you one day, like that's a little bit different. I feel like that comes from a way better place. And like I've been to networking events where people just want to pass out their business card and there's nothing that pisses me off the most than someone just coming up to me, giving me their business card and saying, hey, like, hey, like, you know, connect with me. Like, I literally don't know who you are. We have not made any type of connection, no human connection whatsoever. Like, so why would why would you think I would hire you or, you know, look up your email or something like that? Like, I'm not going to. Um, and there are people out there who are like that. And I steer clear, very clear of those people. You know, so it's like you really have to find the people you really connect with, not just like anybody that's on set and I, and like the people that you actually feel connected to. And I feel like I can't stress that enough. Like networking is such a shallow thing and I hate it. Like sincere, genuine connections. The next question is from Jessica. What is your advice for people who are not studying film for landing an internship or a job? Um, there are so many skills that come from other degrees, other things you're doing in your life. They're like time management, uh, being great with numbers. Uh, like there, like there's so, like problem solving, like troubleshoot. Like those are certain things that you can pluck out of your everyday life. Like if you were, for example, um, maybe during college, maybe you got a liberal arts degree. You didn't really have like a specific, you know, like place or, you know, section of work right you're not like a you're not going to school for architecture right so you're like hey i was doing this and i was doing you know i was a barista or i was a bartender during that time well you have customer service skills customer service is like a great skill to have as a pa because you're talking to people and you have to make sure you get the best out of people you know you don't want to piss people off when you're on set especially strangers you know crew members and strangers and people who are like coming across your set you know like if you're out on the street. So there are certain skills, soft skills, you know, and personality traits that you have that are just going to, you know, make you be successful in film. Like so many people come from all different types of backgrounds. You don't have to have a film degree. In fact, I would even like argue that if you have something outside of film and then you transfer over to film, it almost makes you a better filmmaker you know, it makes you almost better at your job because it's like you've lived a life and you've gained life experience and your whole life has not been surrounded by film. And the last question from Emery is, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? I knew I would get this question. I knew I would get this question. I hate this question because I never know what to say. Um, My favorite movie, um, oh my goodness. God, I feel like people... The reason why I hate this question is because people will judge me automatically. I know it. <laughs> I almost don't want to, like, answer this question. Um, and people are going to hate me for saying this, but I love any Tim Burton movie. Um, 
I am very like I'm not a film critic I am not I don't aspire to be a director so hate me if you want but any like Tim Burton movie but I will say a special place in my heart um is the original Batman which was also done by Tim Burton because it was the first movie ever I saw in theaters well thank you for all of your questions and thank you Amber for doing this interview and for anyone who is interested in getting in touch with you Amber would you mind sharing any point of contacts with us yeah, of course. So beyondfilmschool at gmail.com. Beyondfilmschool. And also beyondfilmschool.com. There's also like a contact form if you don't remember my email. Like, and also I'm on Instagram. If I get tons of different like DMs asking me questions all the time. So like on Instagram, beyondfilmschool, like those are like three main ways that people get a hold of me. Well, Amber, thank you so much for sharing with us your stories and insights. This was honestly <laughs> such a great way to kick off our podcast series. And we hope to welcome you back in the future. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Thank you for checking out our podcast. If you haven't already, you can learn more about us at capclubberkeley.com and on Facebook and Instagram at capclubberkeley. We feature interviews with film industry professionals three to four times per semester. See you next time.